Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. It's great to be back with all of our listeners once again. What a blessing it is to be able to gather together each day on this program over the medium of radio and open up God's Word and study a little bit deeper, a little bit more fully, get a little bit better understanding of what God's Word really says for us and what God's will for our lives really is. You know, God is not an impersonal God out there who's just kind of the the big boss in the sky and who really does not know much about us personally. God is our creator. He is the one who brought us to life and set everything that we see around us in motion. He wants to be our heavenly father in the most intimate way that from a spiritual perspective that is possible. He wants to adopt us as his children, as we read in Romans chapter 8. He wants us to be with him for all of eternity. As Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He has a home prepared for us that he wants to give us and let us reside in with him forever and ever. As Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, Jesus said, I've gone to prepare, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I, if I go, I will come again so that you can be with me. Now, what a blessed promise that is if we will come to God in the way that he has instructed that he wants us to. God even knows the very hairs on our head, Jesus said. So he knows everything about us intimately, and he wants us to be with him forever. And he has provided the way for that to happen, and that is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. He sent his son to go to, to come into this world and live in human form and actually go to the cross and give his life to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. In other words, the ransom price, the price of redemption to buy us back from the condemnation that we live under because of sin. Jesus said in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. I'm sorry, Paul wrote that. But certainly that's the same message that Jesus brought. The wages of sin is death. But then Paul goes on and he says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So while we live in sin, we're lost. But God sent his son as the savior so that we could be saved, so that we could live and not just have life in this world, but have it abundantly and ultimately the ultimate application of that is eternally with God in Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven. As Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, God wants us to be saved. He wants us to live eternally. He wants us to be with him in heaven. The only weak link in that desire is us. We have to come to God. We have to come through Jesus. We have to obey the gospel. That's on us. God has done all of the the things that has made the way for us to be with him in heaven. And we have to make up our mind if we want to be with him in heaven. And it can't be just an emotional thing, just a thought kind of thing. 
but it has to be an obedience kind of thing as well. And so we must come to him his way. Through Jesus Christ, as we not only believe in him as our Savior, but we respond to him as our Savior, repenting of our sins, confessing our faith in him, as Jesus said we must do, and surrendering to him and through baptism for the remission of our sins. And it is at that point that his blood that he shed on that cross will cleanse us of the guilt of our sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 and Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. It is at that point that we come to salvation in him. As Jesus told the apostles to preach and teach in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Well, the choice is ours. Again, we're the only, the only ones holding us back from receiving and living the blessing that God sent Jesus to bring to this earth and offer to us salvation in him, eternal life through him. We're going to continue our study about the church, talking about the church as being a spiritual hospital for sick souls. Now, you know, just about everything I've said up to this point, a whole lot of people would say, amen to. I believe that. Yes, sir. Preach on. But when it comes to the church, they kind of put their brakes on. They dig their heels in. They come to a screeching halt. They don't think they need the church. They don't think the church is that important. It's difficult to really understand how they can come to that position when the New Testament is filled with teaching about the church and what the church is here for and what the church is supposed to do. But the devil sold them a really good bill of goods. They've accepted it. They have been uh, kind of uh, hornswoggled, so to speak, in colloquial terms. They have come to believe a lie. The devil has convinced them they don't need the church. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. The Bible teaches just the opposite. The church was established on this earth by God's design and through his instruction. Jesus came to this earth to establish the church. Now, that's not all that he came to do, but certainly that is central to that. And so he came to establish the church. He talks about that in Matthew chapter 16. He tells Simon and the rest of the apostles that he would build his church and the gates of Hades or the power of death shall not prevail against it or keep it from coming to be built. Jesus died on that cross. A big central part of that death and that cross was to establish the church on this earth, to bring the Old Testament law of Moses to a close and begin the New Testament of Christ. Now, you can read about that yourself in the book of Hebrews. That's what Jesus came to do. The church is central to his whole mission in coming to this world in human form as the Savior. Now, a lot of people, they don't get a whole lot past the church being something of a social gathering their focus is off. Well, the church is not a social club, though it certainly has social characteristics. That's something about what fellowship is supposed to be about. But fellowship is supposed to be a whole lot more. 
The church is not a business. Some people got caught up in the money affairs of the church. Church is not a business, though it has to do business to function effectively in this society. The church is the home of the saved, the reborn. And I'm not saying that. The scriptures, God's word says that. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, after Pentecost, after the church was established on this earth, it says that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So there are no saved outside of the church. The church is the home of the saved. We talk about this land in which we live as being the land of the free and the home of the brave. Well, the church is the land of the free. Those who have been set free from the guilt and condemnation of their sins, and that goes back to John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, where Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And the church is also the home of the saved, because that's where Jesus puts the saved, adds the saved, those who are coming to salvation through him. He adds them to the church, Acts 2 and verse 47. So the church, you see, is not only important, it is vital. It is in Christ where there is forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. Ephesians 1 and verse 3 tells us that all spiritual blessings are available in Christ and only in Christ. Again, in him is where there is forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, and we are made righteous in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. And again, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, how do we come into Christ? As we studied many times in the program, we're told in Romans chapter 6 and verse 3 that we are baptized into Christ. In Galatians 3 and verse 27, that we are baptized into Christ. That's not hard to understand. It is hard to misunderstand. And what is it to be in Christ? Well, a big part of it is to be in Christ his church, because the church is identified in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, as the body of Christ. And again, in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 18, the body of Christ. And again, in, in, in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 24, as the body of Christ. So, we get kind of a physical-slash-spiritual understanding of being in Christ by being added by him to his church, which is his body. Obeying and living by the teachings of God's word is key to our salvation, to our being in Christ, as we've already noted in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you abide in or live by, live in my word, my teachings, you are my disciples indeed, Jesus says there. And the truth is identified by Jesus himself 
in a prayer to the Father as God's word. John chapter 17 and verse 17. The Apostle Paul told the elders at Ephesus that he commended them to the word of God through which we understand how to come to salvation in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. And again, Paul was writing to young Timothy and he reminded him that from his youth he had known the holy scriptures which are able to lead him to salvation. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. And then he goes on and tells Timothy that scripture is inspired by God, God's very word, and it guides us to faithful living in Christ, to being a faithful Christian. God's word of truth Ephesians 1 and verse 13 is described as the gospel of your salvation. And Peter, the apostle, wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, that our souls are purified, that we're born again through God's word. So you see, God's word is vital to our understanding how to come to forgiveness how to be redeemed, how to be saved through Christ and to come into him through baptism, at which point he adds us to his body, the church. The church. The church, inconsequential, not necessary. You better restudy. Better restudy. Now, here's where the church figures into this whole scenario of coming to salvation in Christ. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, and this is something that a lot of people have lost. They either do not know it's there, or they have forgotten it, or they have just overlooked it, or kind of put it out of their heads. Jesus himself said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Now, that's a synonym for eternal condemnation. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way, which leads to life, synonymous for eternal life in heaven. And there are few who find it. Now, that's exactly the opposite of, again, what the devil has convinced so many people of, what they have come to believe, that everybody's saved, well, just about everybody. It really doesn't matter a whole lot how, what kind of lifestyle they live. They can be living in adultery. They can be living in fornication. They can be living in all kinds of sexual perversion. They can be liars. They can be uh, people who use God's name in vain on a regular basis. They can be people who never darken a church's door. But they can say, oh, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. They can feel you know, some kind of warm, fuzzy feeling in their heart, and they're okay. Everybody's okay. That's not what Jesus said. Now, that's what the devil wants us to believe, because he wants to keep us away from God. He wants us to keep us away from the church, which is the body of Christ. He wants us to keep us, he wants to keep us away from Christ, our Savior. He wants us to be lost. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, that the devil is, a, is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and that we should resist him in the faith. Well, the devil doesn't want us to 
resist him. He wants us to walk with him. He wants to lead us away from God and to follow him. Now, that doesn't mean he wants us to be devil worshipers. He just wants to lead us away from God. And then he's got us. Jesus said most people are lost. They're going down the wrong road. That's not what the devil tells us. He says, hey, everybody's okay. I'm okay, you're okay, everybody's okay. That's a lie. It's a lie, not because I said it. It's a lie because Jesus said it. Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. I think there are few who find it because it's, and I think it's the same reasoning as to it being straight and narrow it, because it's the way of truth and truth is narrow and the devil wants us to believe that truth is relative whatever you want it to be whatever you feel it should be and it changes from you know time to time and day to day maybe even minute to minute and that's not truth truth is narrow when you change it it's no longer the truth when you drop down to verse 21 Jesus goes farther now again Jesus speaking here he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. In other words, not everyone who claims him as the Lord, who claims to believe in him. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. In other words, going back to what we noted earlier in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Who lives by his word. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of God, the will of my Father in heaven. So we must live by, we must be obedient to the will of God. Jesus goes on there in verse 22 and says, Many will say to me in that day, the final day of judgment, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? Well, those sound like, pretty good credentials. But Jesus says in verse 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, how could he say that to people who say he's their Lord? They believe in him as their Lord, and they say they prophesied in his name and cast out demons in his name and done many wonders in his name well maybe in their mind they did all those things but Jesus in essence was saying you haven't been living by the will of my father you've been going your way you've been doing things that you think is pretty good but you have not been living by the will of my father you've not been following his teachings you've not been coming to him his way you've been making up some things that look pretty good and sounded pretty good but it's not what my Father's word instructs you to do. Most people you see, again, are lost. They're outside of Christ. Or if they have come into Christ, they become unfaithful to him again. And some people think that's impossible, but they sure have overlooked a whole lot of scriptures that speak to the contrary. In Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 9, the apostle Paul wrote, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And then in verse 23, he goes on and says, For all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Now that means everybody. All means everybody. 
In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 22, Paul says again, but the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe all under sin. Now, the church is the house of God. And we're going to come back and look at this more carefully next time. But in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul wrote, If I am delayed, I write to you that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Oh, now remember what we noted earlier that Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verses 31 and 32, if you abide in my word or in by my teachings, if you live in, live by my teachings, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth being God's word. As Jesus prayed to the Father in John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so, how does the church figure in all of this? Well, we've noted that the Lord adds to the church daily those who come to salvation, Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. So there are no saved outside the church, no matter what people say, no matter what they scream, no matter how hard they pound their fists on the table and insist that that's not necessary. There's no saved outside the church because it, it is into the church that the Lord adds those who come to salvation. But also, it is the church who is, or which is, the pillar and ground of the truth. In other words, the church is built upon the truth of God's word, it stands upon the truth of God's word, and it supports the truth of God's word, and it communicates the truth of God's word. The mission of the church is to communicate the message of salvation brought to this earth by the Son of God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Word of God. Now we'll get into this in more detail next time. The church, inconsequential, unnecessary, no, the church is absolutely vital to our salvation. The church is a spiritual hospital for sick souls, and it is the home of the saved. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. Write down that information, then contact us. Ask for the free Bible study that will help you come to salvation through Jesus Christ, to help you understand better what the church is, and how vital it is to your salvation. The study is free. You can also receive a copy of today's program for free on CD. Just ask. We hope to hear from you right away.